and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a fresh-faced first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this is the story So, so Farscape. Farscape. Here we are at the at the conclusion of Season 1, Episode 122 already. Can you yes, imagine? It's been an amazing journey. So, let's, let's hear it. What's the story So Farscape? Ah, the story So Farscape is American astronaut John Crichton, who is dropped through a wormhole to a strange place at far-off distance, met where he's met with the crew of Moya, a, yeah. uh, a sentient uh, biomechanical starship, crewed by its former prisoners, the uh, yeah. mysterious and illustrious Zahn, the warlike Dargo, also known as Tentacles, <laughs> Dominar Rigel XIII, the little miscreant of the group, <laughs> of course, the courageous Lieutenant Aaron Sung, the uh, Sebastian peacekeeper, who was previously in the uh, command of the insane military commander insane yep, military yep. commander oh, yes whoa, uh, look at you go okay. commander crace or is he captain commander i always forget captain, what his rank captain was Bialar captain crace. crace yes and later on joined by the kittenish chiana i suppose is the best way to uh, describe her and of course <laughs> moya being crewed by the lovely sweet pilot uh, who is like gorgeously oh, crazy <laughs> 10 out of 10 like it, it was absolutely sublime totally totally flawless Thank you. No, I'm genuinely proud of you. So like, I'm going to have to address something little here. Oh, uh, here. I think I just proved that I'm allowed to drop the fresh-faced part of uh, the introduction in our... Oh, that uh, is true. We're going to f- have to find you a new alliteration. I think we do have to do that, because... Okay, so the... Oh, oh, the... I mean, you don't have freckles, so no. that's, it's got to be an F word. <laughs> There's some F words that I want to avoid. I'm, I'm with sure. The PG-13. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll 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 think about it and talk about it. But okay. I think I've earned the right to drop fresh face from my uh, moniker here. Yeah, you're, no, you're definitely right. Hey, maybe we'll all just change our monikers next maybe time around. Maybe we can get a little input from our listeners. That seems like a double-edged... On the one hand, I really appreciate our listeners. On the one, other hand, I don't really want them naming us. Fair point. We can listen to their suggestions <laughs> yeah. and take them into consideration okay. and then like decide on something ourselves. That seems like the, the safest way. Gosh, if only we had someone we trusted as much as, as Pilot and Moya trust oh, Aaron to, yes. uh, uh, to name us. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. In last week's episode, the second half of the second parter... Oh, okay, so uh, you've clearly forgotten last week's episode, which was uh, a Bone to be Wild. Oh, yes, of course. But no, but that's some... that's fine, because yeah. this is often described as like a, a four-parter in three parts. Ah, <laughs> I th- I'm, like, I'm feeling a bit of a, a Hitchhiker's guide. guide vibe here going, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not wrong, because like there was this, there was the greatest hiatus, which happened yes. just bef- after episode 18, and then it came in with like four episodes at the end of, of season one, which were developed sort of together, but episode like episodes one and two, Nerve part one, Hidden yes. Memory part two, like that was the first two part that we've seen. And then Bone to be Wild with, which I think we wind up calling Weekend at Bernie's. Yes, I should have remembered that because it's actually mentioned at the beginning of this episode that the Bernie's right. char- star charts. Chris mentions to Scorpius the alien girl you adopted and Scorpius yes. asks, oh yes. Have you found my security officer assigned to watch her? So, hang on, alien girl he adopted. Who was that? I mean, I, I that wrote was that Emily. Down. You saw him at the at the end of the oh, last episode. Of course, going, yes. You know, we must because, give of ourselves because she doesn't make any appearance at no, all in this episode. No. So it's, it's a little bit weird. I mean, I hope she, uh, she's on the command carrier. But it's interesting that it sort of slipped your mind because I I sort of felt the same way for a long time. Yeah. Uh, because the 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 energy and the tempo and the pace set by the two parter. Yeah. Was then just dropped for this. Monster of the Week episode. Close Encounters, my ass. 
Yeah, this seems like much more of a continuation of the yeah. two-parter, and then that other episode was kind of like, well, I wouldn't say shoehorned in, but it was much more a return to the usual, Yeah, this pr- problem of the week, yeah, I've monster got to say, of the week. Having come back to it as my, as a as a fervent fan, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed just. I really savored. Okay, we're going to get one more like episodic episode before we get to the rest ah, of the stuff. Yeah. It, it's it's really weird because it's so frustrating when you're watching it for the first time because you want okay more get tempo, on with it tempo, get, on, get with on with it yeah. yes exactly. Well, it's kind of like I mean for a, for a um, end of season episode, this one feels very good right and i guess the other one i mean they could have easily put that episode in oh no they couldn't have had not if emily is going to be a a thing again and they had to have scorpius in there as well to use the whole uh, so in in order to use that plot line properly it had to be in that in the position where it is you know i don't think that that it was originally written like i i I believe that uh, bone to be wild was conceived to happen earlier in the in the season it was one of the ideas that they had for an episodic and then they figured out that Episode 21 is the right spot for it for some reason. So episode 22 is called Family Ties, where an unexpected betrayal has the victim scrambling for a plan of escape while a custody battle forges unlikely friendships. Uh, and thanks again to Bostitch. Was it the solo Bostitch? Uh, I think so, yes, yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, for that synopsis. It is not easy to synopsize the, the finale episode <laughs> without giving anything away. So good job there. And with this season finale, Tony Tills is back as a, as a director. We're settling into a, into a stable of uh, uh, regulars when it comes to directors and, and writers. Uh, David Camperwell, DK, he named a character after himself, the, and, the, and the show creator, Rockney S. O'Bannon. We have Ricky Manning. Oh, yeah, I forget. I completely forgot to mention that Ricky Manning, the writer of name sounds familiar. Nerve. Oh, he's written. He's written quite a few. I don't have my little database mm-hmm. handy here, so I'm not going to embarrass myself and try. You can never embarrass me. But he goes by the the handle at uh, Frunium on Twitter oh, these days. Frunium. Yeah, yes. which, like, I thrilled when I heard that in uh, episode 19, Nerve, when Chiana yes. was doing her sort of tech talk bullshit against the uh, the unlucky fried sebation that yes. she went up. Yeah, that's... There's a faulty component in the, uh, in the frunium drive causing instabilities in the, the stabilizer. Yes, everything's all right here. There's just a weapons malfunction and everything all right with you guys. <laughs> yes. Boring channel anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, uh, Tony Tills, we first saw him in directing PK Tech Girl, then he came back with Till the Blood Runs Clear, Durka Returns, A Bugs yes. Life. Like, these are... He's got a few strong episodes there. Kick-ass action episodes. And then this one, I mean, I remembered it as an incredibly invigorating, exciting episode, but it's actually, like, it's a really talky one. Yes, it's quite down-tempo almost, Yeah, I would say. There's so, so many scenes of, of people like relating to each other, resolving relationships, just, 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 just expressing themselves and reflecting on what they've experienced so far. So I, I think we should like really affirm the treaty of, I mean, we called it the Treaty of Moya. I kind yeah. of want to expand it a bit more, like the, the, the Treaty of um, ah, Mintaka Three. Mintaka three. Okay, so what here, happened on Mintaka three again? Nothing especially. It was it was mentioned like in passing at one point, yeah. but it's also a planet from Star Trek: The Next Generation. I was going to say it sounds familiar. Yeah, I know, but Mintaka three sounds boring to me anyway. So that that overlap should give us extra protection from pedantry about getting it wrong. Uh, so here, yes. yeah, the Treaty we, of Mintaka three. There we go. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> if we get anything wrong in different orders or whatever, we're just going to go ahead. But gosh, it starts off with something. Did you see it coming? Oh, you have got to be kidding. What, the opening of this, the opening scene? Yeah, yeah, everybody's running through the hallways. Tell me there is some kind of sick 
punchline coming. They're they're reeling from a from a surprise. They're yelling that oh, we should not have been surprised. Let's be anything but surprised. I mean, it kind of makes sense that like you know the peacekeepers were coming. So unfortunately, John, it's true. Great, absolutely great. Oh, you mean the fact that Rigel's gone off and uh, yes, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought you were talking about the approaching carrier. I mean, should have seen it coming. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. I don't know. I mean, coulda, woulda. Shut up. Rigel's always been a bit of a selfish little bastard, but this is really taking the cake. <laughs> yes. This is who he is. This is who he's been communicated from the start. And we've sort of we've sort of been numbed to his his selfishness. Like it's always been petty and not right. really mal- yeah. m- uh, malicious, which is what it's clearly turned into here. Because Rigel has uh, commandeered one of the transports from Moya and is this now This is the very f- first time that we've seen him piloting any craft other than his yes. drone sled. True. I mean, I guess some of it translates, or at least he's picked up something along the way. A skill he's probably hidden all this time, so he never had to do any work. That seems like Rigel. I used to have 70,000 servants. And he is making his way towards the command carrier. People are pleading with him to stop, at least, like, slow down, we can talk about this. Uh, Pilot is being, like, almost reverent, like, your highness and your majesty, uh, this and that. Yeah, Pilot's always been good about using everybody's titles. True, but Uh, mostly so when you want something from them. (laughs) Just always. And he usually wants, don't do that, put that down. (laughs) True. Dargo's on the bridge, he he speaks very calmly, and he asks, listen to me very carefully. And then he yells something in Luxon. Okay, so he yells something in Luxon that Crichton doesn't understand. We don't understand. We right. hear it in Luxon. But apparently Chiana does. Something about his corpse and uh, bodily function. Maybe she speaks Luxon. On the other hand, why don't the translator microbes translate there, it? There, that's, and, that's and it. I've, I've noticed this coming up several points during the episode. Very good. Where things are being said in native languages and translator microbes are not doing their job. Hey, we get to use the uh, the Treaty of Mintaka 3 immediately <laughs> because I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Crace uttering the phrase Kal Tanaga Chivoko. Right. But also Zan, when she is delivering her prayer. Yes, her benediction. Same, yeah. yeah, same thing. It's in her native language. No translator microbe. So that's a bit weird. I mean, I wonder why they chose to do that. I mean, it makes it sound a little bit more alien and odd, but it, it kind of goes against the lore, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even remark on that in episode 12, Rhapsody in Blue, where you have all the Delvian prayers. Like, maybe these are just unpronounceable. Actually, ooh, ooh. There's a point coming up where uh, uh, Crichton and Dargo and Aaron are walking down the hallway, and, yeah. and, and Crichton is saying, I'll tell you this for free. I will not be taken alive. Yes. Uh, and Erin gets the inference, and so does Dargo. I know of the concept, but there is no Luxon word for it. Suicide? I am not talking about suicide. Apparently, he understands what suicide is, but there is no, he understands also that there's no word for it. So what did he hear through his little baby Right. Words? That allowed him to understand the concept without having a word. I mean, Dargo has expressed similar sentiments in the past, where mm-hmm. he's been said, like, I, he didn't say I won't be taken alive, but he said I won't be taken prisoner again, which kind of amounts to the same thing. Yeah. So there's an interesting little thing there. Uh, but we're barely a minute into the show, and we're already so deep into the uh, into the technology and the and the philosophy. And there's an interesting comment here. Apparently they can't leave. Yeah. Uh, because Boya can't uh, starburst yet. Oh, God, you're still calling him Boya. Of course I'm still calling him Boya. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, Moya's offspring, yes. And I'm sitting there like, why can't he just follow her through Starburst? And like, apparently later on in the episode, that's exactly what they suggest. So I'm just yeah. like, 
just like cut your losses at this point. Do it. Get rid of him. Make a run for it. Blah. But you know, you need a little bit of run up for like they're still operating on the on the low energy state, so they're right. just hiding among the pieces of wreckage. But, and but I think- Rigel is making the perfect decoy for them. There, he's going to keep the peacekeepers busy with his approach, and this seems like the perfect point. I mean, Rigel has obviously shown that he is like yeah, like. He's shown his colors, uh, he's turned his coat, and he's... Oh, very good, very good. <laughs> and he is making a run for it. And you'd like, you know, make it make, make sense to just like make use of that and just like, okay, we're going to make a run for it, get out of the asteroid field, starburst, have the have Boya follow through, and everybody gets clear. And, <laughs> but I guess that wouldn't make such an interesting, exciting episode. Yeah, because it's flying the, the dominar of action, as he calls himself. Rigel, kill your engines, float dead. Maybe they won't spot you. Let's talk about this. And this is at the whole point, Christ. That's all your people ever do is talk. I am a dominar of action. Rigel is easily let aboard the command carrier and immediately shown into the throne room, or at least Crasis quarters, which does have a little bit of throne roomy vibes to it's it. The, me, it's the least. tall walls. It's the red drapes. It's uh, it's massive. We finally get to see the uh, the collection that Scorpius right. has uh, yes. referred to several times. The decaying artifacts or decaying trophies, as he calls They're them. All Hynerian heads. Yes. All of them. Like, uh, just- apparently, he likes to collect them. Maybe they have a competition. <laughs> it's like how many Hynerian heads can you collect? So maybe they play balls with it on the weekend. Oh. I wonder if these are old used up skins for for Rigel's puppet. Oh, probably. That seems right. to make sense. Yeah. Yeah, because they I mean, they these... don't look too good no more, but you know, no, they'll, exactly. they'll be fine. They're all stretched out and sagged yeah. and, and oh, okay. There's a there's a tear in the uh, in foam latex Dan, here. And <laughs> yeah, that's a, that makes for a very good point. Yeah. Or maybe just like failed pre-production models or something like that. Oh, they're just sagged lines. in the oven, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not sagging is uh, is Scorpius who is here. And I noticed yeah. that like he's he's assumed command of Crace's uh, command carrier, but he's still including Crace. Right, he's just occupying his room, yes. even to the point where the the lieutenant, uh, as yet unnamed, walks in and, and and addresses them both as sirs. Scorpius is actually looking a little bit perkier in this episode. I mean, still he's still got the bags around his eyes and everything like that, but he seems less sleazy, creepy, and more confident commanding. I noticed that as well. There's something about the tone of his voice. He's a bit more chipper. Just, he's like, ah. And Crace is becoming like he's, his hair is unfrayed at both sides of his face now. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, not, really he's, not, he's not yet unshaven. That happens later on in the episode. But He's almost got bangs at this point. Like he is. Those are desperate times. Sirs, this Hynerian royal was alone aboard the Leviathan transport. Rigel proclaiming the fact that he is here to negotiate. Yeah, he wants his a, freedom. He's got a good and list. And he's going to deliver uh, Moya and Boya to... Uh, God, and the prisoners. Moya and the offspring and the traitor Aronson and especially... You want the one called Crichton. Well, I want my freedom. Interested? Scorpio seems to be very interested. We go to the credits. You know, I, I sort of shame myself because I didn't notice, I haven't noticed when the credits changed to include Gigi Edgeley. Oh, presumably around the time that she started you, becoming a regular? Yeah, I, I, just, I just didn't notice. I'm so sorry. Ah. This is the kind of thing that I know that you rely on me for to just <laughs> interrupt you with, with <laughs> savage no, I mean, like I said, I would just assume it to be around that time. I don't notice noticing myself, but I did notice that she's been in the credits for a while now. I mean, it, it really... Really, like the credits really stood out to me because 
Crichton is still wearing like his white shirt and his and his NASA outfit in the credits, and his innocent yes. smile in the credits, which we haven't seen him wear in a while. No, he's still wearing the uh, peacekeeper uh, uniform in this episode, which is, yeah. does look very good on him. So okay, so just a little bit of neckbeardy like continuity nitpicking. Mm-hmm. I think I and a lot of people have have observed that he seems to be wearing Larac's uniform. Yeah, Larac was on the Marauder that exploded. Oh. Yes. So it can't be his clothes because he was wearing them when he died. Uh. So it would have to be like either uh, Lieutenant Thorne or uh, well, he was uh, already, Lieutenant Baldrick. He was already wearing He was wearing armor. the captain's uniform that he yeah. had on, uh, uh, that was much brighter, brighter red right. or crimson. Maybe they fudged the insignia a little bit. Yeah. Hmm? Oh, gorgeous shot of Moya and her son in the, uh, in the asteroid field. No, I'm just, You're refusing, boy. Oh. I'm not I'm not refusing it. I'm just trying to navigate around it. It's just, <laughs> it just seems especially because hey, it's Aaron who's been asked to name True. Uh, Moya's child, which uh, comes up a few times and she she takes her time before she, like, yes. she takes it very seriously. Uh, it's an honorable duty that uh, she performs admirably, I would say. Our heroes discuss what they're going to do. They refuse to be taken captive. They're discussing their various plans for escaping the predicament that they find themselves in. Uh, a few good pot shots at Rigel. Aaron's oh, yes. remark, we should not be surprised. Our weakest link is often the smallest. Crichton is not taking it well. No. He is, yeah. He's not going back to that chair. Yes, he is very emotional about it. Yeah, to the point that you know, we have this discussion here where they talk about... Uh, well, not suicide as such, I mean, but yeah, yeah, suicide run, which is which I thought was a little bit weird about that exchange between Dargo and Crichton. It's like mm. the, the, the whole thing about suicide, because like, the way he makes it sound is like, I'd rather kill myself than be captured. Right. When, when in fact, what they're planning is a suicide mission, which seems to be more Dargo's kind yeah, of way. Which is like, I mean, he's like gone on those before. Die in the saddle. But Dargo is very supportive of uh, uh, Crichton, and yeah. Yeah, Crichton's half-baked plan to fly a transport into the bridge of the command carrier, yep. and then Aaron says, well, that won't disrupt their their operations. No, but what if you loaded with explosives? Hmm, maybe. Yeah. We have... Uh, Rigel is eating. That's your third helping. To fill his third stomach, and the good <laughs> thing is that by the time the third stomach is full, the first one will be empty again, and he can, like, keep eating. Crace is exasperated by uh, by all this, but it's Scorpius who takes the lead. And do you notice how? Okay, in the in the interchanges between Scorpius and uh, and Rigel, once again, fantastic puppeteering. Mm. You just forget that he's a muppet because yes. Scorpius is looking at him with such intensity, and the camera just gets closer and closer and closer on Scorpius's eyes mm. until he does that same sort of insight that we've seen him show uh, when he unmasks. Yes, Crichton. when he's talk- talking about when Rigel is lying and when he's not lying. Because yeah, Rigel says exactly what. He said when he when he came in, I want to I want to exchange my my freedom for for my friends, and he said he was asking for extra conditions, like he would need a ship and a crew and some soldiers yes, to and some retake money his throne and uh, get some be able to and maps to his home world. You're lying. All right, I could forgo the cash. You're lying about why you're here. No, I'm not. You're wasting our time. Because yeah, that's not what's motivating him. He's not motivated by the idea of retaking his throne. He just wants to live. Yeah, I mean, it goes back, I guess, into the uh, theory that uh, Scorpius has a slight uh, different uh, visual thing going on, and he, yeah. he might be able to sense things that other people aren't. And that actually brings me to—I think it happens a little bit later on in the episode mm-hmm. when I think it is Crace who refers to Scorpius as a, a Saren half-breed. You caught that. Yes. Very good. Yes, a Scaran half-breed. Scarin. Is what, okay. he, uh, what he calls him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So yes, we know we learn a little bit more about just little drips and Scorpius's background. But as in the, in the good tradition of, I mean, Tolkien was very good at that. Whenever you explain something, you leave open more questions. Yes, uh, it's so enticing, isn't it? It's yeah. It's always you always hint at there being more and bigger things, and that keeps it yeah. exciting if you do it right. And otherwise, you turn into uh, a, a Mr. R. R. Uh, uh, Martin <laughs> George R. R. Martin. Yes. <laughs> and then it goes wrong. So this is really like evocative because Aaron has told before about how how militant haha, the peacekeepers are about keeping the bloodlines pure, and yes. that hybrids such as Jothi, Cardargo's uh, son with the yes. observation woman, uh, are considered uh, uh, abominations. But apparently, for uh, Scorpius, they make an exception. Yeah, what's yeah. that about? We've never seen a, a Scaron, have we? Nope, nope, unknown okay. to us. No, all right. So I was just wondering if we'd ever uh, came across one of them and not uh, came up with a name or anything like that. But I guess we'll find out about that later because yeah, it seems God, to be the, like a character who is here to stay. The episode is so dense. Like, I cannot blame you for like <laughs> thinking that, no, for thinking that maybe, oh, did I miss something earlier on? Because there is so much. Okay, we're going into a whole sequence of scenes with two people resolving like or, or laying the groundwork for really important like relationship beats. We mm. start with uh, Chiana and Dargo. Chiana is, is sort of chiding Dargo for going on this suicide mission. She's also a little bit petulant about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Anna seems to have, like, she has bonded with everyone far quicker than they bonded with each other. Mm. She has just embraced them. I mean, also, she's the youngest there. True. So, like, time is kind of a lot more meaningful to her, to a to young I person mean, she's, than, a, yeah, than an like, older person. Canonically, she's like a teenager, isn't she? Yeah, well, whatever that means in space. Right, yeah, but uh, she was, like, left home to uh, explore things and experience things that she wasn't allowed to uh, at home. Yeah, So that sounds yeah. like a very teenager thing. Talking to Dargo about him going on this suicide mission as well. I mean, everybody seems to be very much bent on, like getting as many of their crewmates out alive, even if they're the ones who have to make the sacrifice. Yep. Even to the point where they end up drawing lots about it. And uh, later on, again, later on, I keep saying later on in the episode, there's no, so much there's to talk so about. there's so much yeah. to talk about. Yeah, because like they're all busy like prepping this transport pod to function as a bomb, which yeah. requires like a lot of chronite shavings from the floor, a catalyst that the designer's working on. And right. while they're doing it, like they are making some time to talk to each other. Like Dargo tells Chiana that he's fond of her. That he's grown yes. used to her. She's oh no, she's a pain in the email. Huh? But when one he's, he, he's grown to like, it's like mm, okay, <laughs> hello. <laughs> you are a real pain in the email. But one I have grown to enjoy. Zan and, and John making similar remarks. Yeah, Zan is like. Girl, have you not heard of a fume hood? I'm just like you. You are always working with the fucking with your chemistry kid. Yeah, it's like, that's right. Like she gets some suction in there. There's like she's these, got her gown on. She just likes the fumes. She's just getting high on her own supply. I, I guess she may maybe maybe being plant based. It's not so much of a problem for her as it would be for yeah. someone with uh, regular lungs. But uh, damn, it's like this this stuff is like you're making an explosive. Most explosives are not very good for you if you. Uh, uh, oh, she says this the part fumes. that I'm working on is totally fine until you add this. Until you add this catalyst and then... It's even worse. It's like she says that uh, until you add this catalyst and then it becomes unstable and it, it requires like an energetic response. And he goes like, oh, maybe it's getting shot or something. And yes, it is. And then suddenly it blows up all of it on its own regard. So it's like, it turns out it might be not quite as stable as she thinks it is. Exactly how volatile is this lutrol? Not at all. But once it's injected into containers filled with chronite, Oh, shavings from the floor of Moya's cargo hold. The mix becomes highly explosive. 
Yeah. Also, deck shavings of the transport deck in Moy, it seems like a bit dangerous to have a deck that if you have the wrong kind of chemical spill on, turns into a bloody explosive. But, you know, it seems, you know, just my, yeah. just my two cents here. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that that's just, uh, uh, oh, it's solubility. Like, as, soon, as long as it's a solid slab, I guess it has fine. to be shavings can... that you need enough contact to get, uh, yeah, right. even then, it's but still like gosh, a, a hazmat yeah. accident waiting to happen. You know? Hey, maybe that's one of the forbidden cargoes. Oh, that could be right. Yeah, that seems to be right. Uh, they do have the forbidden cargoes. I don't recall what exactly they were, but it was like five of them or something. It is one of the six forbidden cargoes. Yeah, one of them was chlorium, which was yeah. basically salt. But it's only onlux, just onlux. It, it was edible, but that was the anesthetic. We don't know the other ones. No, so it could be one. We have a scene between Eren and Pilot, which is lovely and touching. She's sitting on his console. Yes. I love it when people sit with, with Pilot. He's I also noticed that Pilot had a, a bunch of DRDs with him there. It's like you kind of have them gathered around and like all cozied up to him on his consoles and uh, yeah. different... Uh, Keeping him company in his big cavernous lair, which we're back to. This is the first time in a long time we've seen another wide-angle shot, of the, shot. Uh, oh. of the of the pilot's lair, den, whatever you den, want to call den. it. Den, it's, yes. it's, it's cozy. Where but yes, had... she's touching pilot and she's being all affectionate with him and telling about all the things they've shared, not in the least part some of their DNA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and I, we've shared quite a lot in the time we've been together. DNA for one. Help me learn some rudimentary science. <laughs> You've kept me alive when no one else could. They're sharing a little chuckle and a, and a laugh, but uh, she's also really relating to him and the, the fear that he must be experiencing, not only his own, but also Moya's. And not only Moya's fear for herself, but also for her child. He does ask her again if she's given more thought to, uh, a, uh, name. to a name. Yep. And this is the first time that we see Aaron cry. Oh, is it? We've, oh. I don't think we've ever seen her her shed a tear before, and like okay. she is she is overcome with this this honor that she's been that's been shown, and tells him that 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 she will give Moya's son a strong name that he can wear proudly and in, in freedom. freedom. Yes, so he, she, she refuses to say, to say it right now because oh, she wants to make heart. sure that they're free uh, first. At least that's how I interpret that uh, the way she said that. Uh, like yeah. I'm not giving it to you yet because I want it to be. Uh, Oh, named in wow. freedom. At oh, least that's, wow. that's, that's how I, uh, that's, that's the impression I got from that that's scene. That's a at the really time. good thought. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. She doesn't want her son named by the peacekeepers. Please tell Moya that it remains my honor to name her son. It will be a good, strong name that he will bear proudly. In freedom. If I have anything to say about it. I will tell her. Crichton, meanwhile, is trying to record his last message to his dad and kind of gives up halfway through after he's telling him, like, oh, it's gone wrong. Uh, it's going to be another oh. depressing message. Why can't I leave him a happy... Uh, good news or at least good luck message from, yeah. for this. Well, Aaron shows up and they have a little talk about Aaron's family. Something that we haven't talked about uh, before, but she, she tells John... You're lucky, you know. When I was very young one night, a soldier appeared over my bunk, battle-hardened, scarred. And John goes, ah, cool, your, your dad. dad. No, my mom. My mother. Oh. <laughs> and John has this little smirk. Oh, God. I'm just 
I'm going to have a really hard time like editing this episode together without basically pasting in the entire episode. episode of Farscape because all the dialogue is so good. Everybody's having a rather fatalistic approach all the way all yeah. around. Like everybody, all, nobody with the exce- expects. Well, it, with the except- exception of Chana, Chana's being defiant and uh, strong, I suppose, and Zahn is just being Zahn. But everybody else, especially Aaron, Dargo, and Crichton, are all like super fatalistic and super yeah. uh, not suicidal, but you know. Well, well, no, I get Resen- what you mean. Uh, yeah, uh, resigned, resigned, I suppose, to, yeah. their, uh, to their impending fate. I mean, that was the, the conversation between Chiana and uh, and Dargo. Dargo was encouraging her to take these cuffs and pretend to be our prisoner. Yes. Because she's the only one who isn't wanted already. And Chiana says, well, they've seen me at the, at the Gamak base. They know yeah. who I am. And he says, well, yeah, then... Like, say that you did it under duress is the only way that you'll be safe if you get caught. And she's, like, not having any of it. It's, like, part of the crew, yeah. part of the ship. Uh, no, wait, that's the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of apt. I mean, she's really embraced her role here. I will not. You can't make me. Listen, Tiana, it is the only way. Why do you care? You'll all be dead. There is a sort of clear division between the people who are pretty sure they're going to make the sacrifice and p- people who are pretty sure they're not, like yeah. people who are there to be saved. Like Zan does not often make the sacrifice, Chiana, no. and certainly not Rigel, who is having a bath. Yep, and I've noticed quite slow in noticing the heads of the other Henerians pasted <laughs> upon the roof. You'd have, think, yeah. you'd have thought that he'd seen those coming into the into the bathtub and not just in uh, yeah. when he uh, comes out of this, like foaming bath of uh, well not foaming sorry it's yeah it's all uh, f- uh, okay mist- yeah it's 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 what is it cold ice no dry well, that's, ice that's what I was, that, that's what i was thinking like those puppeteers must have had a hard time because like dry ice is carbon dioxide and mixed with if you put carbon dioxide in w- hot water then you yeah. get this beautiful dense layer of mist but that must have been pretty tough for the puppeteers to sit in and breathe Hey, a lot easier than actually being underwater, which was the original plan. Like, oh, can you imagine, like, being yeah. the creature department yeah. and they, and you read the script? Oh, Rigel is having a bath. <gasps> okay, so we need Scooby gear. We need. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. But yeah, you know, it, it, it still it must have been tough on them. Like, I mean, it's not easy to breathe uh, uh, dry ice smoke. It's... No, <laughs> no, it is in fact quite uh, quite difficult. Uh, I mean, as is as is shown shortly after when uh, when Crace walks in. And uh, has a, a bit of an intimidation, intimidating conversation with uh, with Rigel. Yeah, he doesn't believe Rigel is on the ball for his betrayal, but it doesn't even matter to him because no? he's here to tell uh, uh, to tell Rigel, hey, Scorpius is not going to offer honor any deal, and in fact, here is his, is your your what is it your morgue report? Here is the your death certificate. Yes, this is your death certificate proof you expired. You're early. Come back tomorrow. I am not your reaper. Scorpius is. You are dead, and uh, so nobody is going to be... Uh, because Scorpius is going to have you executed to show the crew what he thinks of traitors. Right. Oh, I thought that was like a death certificate which was already in place, as in they, they already had him on the oh, death line. No, that was a, that was a threat. I mean, oh, uh, okay. Rigel takes it, uh, takes it like that, haha, you're a little premature, but yeah. no, he's... Crace uh, uh, is trying to convey to Rigel that Scorpius is going to have him killed, followed by giving him, like, threatening his life himself, pushing his head underwater, which, again... He's aquatic. How do you yeah. drown an aqua- How do you drown a toad? 
Very good point. Don't know how that how he planned that on working, but yeah, Rigel seems to be suitably intimidated and open to the suggestion that Crace offers to him because Crace knows that his, his time has run star out as is well. Not rising no. anymore. He, he knows that he's like the only thing he has to look forward to is court martial and execution. He seems to be getting a little bit more. Yeah, he's, he's losing his crazy edge, I suppose. He's yeah, he's uh, he's seeing where he's at. He's he's actually like coming to terms with it. I suppose is the word to, to use it here. And he realizes he has a lot in common with Rigel. Why tell me? Because ironically, we find ourselves in similar situations. No matter what I do, I have no life beyond court martial, incarceration, execution. So what do you want? To survive, as you do. And just how do we do that? Did he actually at this point already tell the, pl- the talk about the plan? No, no, no. We cut back to Moya where <laughs> the heroes are are gathered, sort of conversing on how bizarre it is that this uh, a transport has returned, that yep. Rigel yelled and yelled and yelled that he came in peace. And is it a peace trap? And- it's like, no, there's no, we don't detect any uh, yeah, uh, weapons or other things. Definitely th- a trap, right? Yeah, yes, but it has to be. It's a weird trap. The door opens, out floats uh, Rigel. Our heroes all have their weapons trained on him. Oh, yes, very much so. And he, uh, Aaron orders him off the throne sled. Off the throne sled, Rigel, and face down on the ground. Well, hardly. Because then I'd miss your faces when you saw this. Yes. <laughs> and out walks Grace. Yep. Everybody, again, repoints their weapons. John cackles. My yes. boy, Grace. Oh, yes. You can see the little manic look in his eyes. Yeah. My boy! Clearly an awkward situation. However, I have asked Dominar Rigel XVI for asylum, and he has accepted. By the goddess, that's insane. And he wants to shoot him. He really wants to shoot him. They all do. They all do. But uh, it is Dargo who just walks up to him and starts beating the shit out of him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, after he, he makes his proposal, of course. Chris says that he has asked your dominar for uh, uh, asylum and has been granted. <laughs> right. That's putting a little bit too much on uh, Rigel's uh, shoulders, I suppose. But, I mean, at least... Rigel claiming a power that he clearly does not have. No. But that's Rigel. Aaron gives him a pat down. Craig says, I'm unarmed. Dargo hands his quarter blade over to John, says, I am also unarmed, <laughs> and, and kicks his ass. He gets, he gets quite a little bit of satisfaction out of beating uh, uh, beating up Craig there. Yeah, it's interesting, this relationship, because we... We haven't known him to have a relationship with Crace before. He demands that Crace admit what he already knew, yes. namely that Dargo is innocent of the crime that he was imprisoned for. Right. His mate was killed by someone else. But as uh, Crace explains that it doesn't make makes no difference what he knows, uh, you need a special tribunal to overturn a sentence yeah. like that. And what what the hell makes no difference? I couldn't do anything really about it. But it has been established that like Crace is is so personally responsible for Dargo's imprisonment. No, I suppose not. I mean. I mean, I guess Crace was the jailer on board Moya. Yeah, as, as, at least the commander of the of the of the carrier. Huh. Of all of them, I guess Dargo is the most recent prisoner. Yes, right. That makes he's sense. The, he's yeah. the youngest. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. But uh, yeah, a little bit of shit kicking going on. Aaron doing a bit of a smirky look going at him. So we're in the same boat now. Yeah, I mean she. She got her like she got her resolution to that relationship. Like she, oh, she left him very in much the so. Aurora chair. chair yeah, I mean, he even says that like we don't really have anything to say to each other since 
you know. So John and Aaron escort Crace to the cell block, which has been prepared by pilots, I believe. No, by Krishana. They yes, tell, like, very good. Prepared deck seventeen back to uh, to uh, cell blocks, and she goes like, "Oh, with great pleasure." Yeah. Throw. Uh, Crace in the cell, and then you can see that uh, John is clearly not a fighter because he hands his gun over from his right hand to his left hand so he can use his right hand to push the button to close the cell door. Oh. And I'm just like, why would you do that? It's like, hey, maybe it's like the American style of handling cutlery where you switch your, your, uh, your, your yes. fork to your right hand <laughs> after you've done the cutting. It's like, no, you would hold your... Maybe that's you, American gunmanship. You would it? hold your gun in your right hand and then reach over and make it awkward, but like not... I guess this looks better on camera, but it's like from, from, the, from the viewpoint of keeping your gun pointed at someone. This is not the way you would do that normally. See, as an experienced uh, marksmanship trainer, in fact, like you notice these things, uh, <laughs> it must have been so confusing for, like, well, actually, Crichton is the only American there. He's the only one who's likely to have had any experience with firearms right. prior to... But he's uh, a science th- jock. He's like... Oh, sorry. I mean, I mean Ben Browder. Oh, right. I see what right? you mean. Bra- yeah. Ben Browder is the, uh, is the American. The rest are Aussies. There are no guns in Australia. It, yeah. was, not a, it was not a popular pastime no. as it is in the United States. But even then, not, not all Americans have handled guns. It's just that they have most of the guns in the world. Mm. There's an interesting scene where the people who confront Rigel about his treachery are not the, the aggressive people who would... Uh, are not no, the warriors. It's, it's, it's Zan and Chiana who are yeah. uh, up on Rigel's case about that. Interesting choice. And uh, Rigel is like, he pretty much says it as it is. This Scorpius character is carrying Crace's mivongs around in his hip pocket. So you decided to take pity on poor Captain Crace. I don't take pity on orphans, much less that butcher. You went there to sell us out, Rigel. You bet your shiny blue ass I did. <laughs> but I didn't, so make the most of it now. And I was wondering why why they didn't just throw Rigel in one of the cells either. I'd have just chucked him right back in. Well, not in his old cell, because we know that he can get out of that one. That's so, kind of it. <laughs> on the one hand, what's the point? What's he going to do? On the other, maybe his whole thing is, is here to, to sabotage or whatever, yeah. but that doesn't... Well, he's come with Crace as a peace offering, I suppose. Yeah. And that's his way back in, I guess. So cue a scene where they're like hauling big weird-ass tanks around with filled with the shavings and ready to be primed with the, the compound that's going to turn them explosive. Uh, yeah, it's Dargo and Aaron carrying the heavy shit. Having Dargo a- asks, like, did, did Zan, or, or, like, are we supposed to inject them into all the uh, all the containers or just the first row? Aaron says Zan didn't say. Well, She was vague to the point of me gave, <laughs> assuming that she doesn't has no idea either. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems like typical Zahn. He's like, just like, be a little bit evasive about stuff that she's not confident about. Aaron once again takes the time. Targo, there won't be much time later. I know. And Dargo does as well. Like, they take, a, they take a moment and... I don't know. The ease with which they did this seemed like sort of a like a like a like a trench conversation, like a foxhole yes, conversation. Yes, again, it's like two warriors who are having a, a quiet moment before they go over the top of the trenches in World War One. Yeah, like and and this understanding. Okay, we have all this stuff to do. We can take two minutes for this. It won't be more than two minutes, and yeah. that'll be like the end of our lives is approaching. We should we should have this conversation where I mean, it it resolves quite beautifully with with Dargo saying, "I thought I would live much longer." I never thought I'd live this long. And actually what I noticed is that everybody is very fatalistic and uh, resigned resigned to everything, which, oddly enough, to my experience, doesn't really match up with the pacing of the episode. It's like the the episode itself is paced in a a regular tempo sort of thing, whereas whereas all the content in in that pacing is, is very much very slow and contemplative. 
I think that's a really, really good observation because they're resigned to... Dargo and John are resigned to their deaths very, very early on. Yes. And they're preparing for it. Even though the plan changes a few times in the meantime before actually settling on the the, the final suicide mission and the, and the various twists and turns. So, but, like... The prospect of their death remains constant throughout. I mean, you could have also split this out as a two-parter. Mm. And then the first episode would have been all about the betrayal and figuring right. that out and then landing on the suicide plan. And then the second part would have been about uh, resolving all the emotional arcs in preparation for the suicide well, plan. Well, it's already it's the end of season episode, so they're already ending exactly. on a cliffhanger, uh, yeah. as, you'd, oh, yeah. as you'd expect. Uh, I mean, I assume that they were already given the green light for a second season at this point. No. Oh. They had no idea if they ah. were coming back. Like, they knew that the ratings were good on the sci-fi channel. It was better than most. But the green light had not been given at the time they filmed okay. the final episode. Wow. That's, so, yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were kind of prepared for <laughs> I guess going maybe, out with a, I guess a maybe that, like, echoed a little bit in the actor's sentiments. Yeah, but right. they didn't know if they were coming back for any of this. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What must that have felt like? <laughs> So, Scorpius is talking to the new lieutenant, who is, like, praising him for his good work and that he, his star might be on the rise yeah. if, he, uh, if he performs properly. The lieutenant asks uh, to speak freely. Of course, lieutenant. If you weren't free to, I would not have you here. Very interesting, different approach to command than Crace ever had. And he asks, if you suspected Crace's betrayal, why did you let them go? Yeah, and I, I don't remember what uh, uh, Scorpius' reply to that was. You know, it's it's kind of weird because his his reply is... We all have windows of usefulness. If we don't take advantage of them, our careers may fade. Right. For instance, he says, leaning in and just licking the lieutenant's eyeball just about. <laughs> like, no, he, he holds no, his, he holds his yeah, shoulder yeah. and he comes in really close and he eye-frells him. For example, my instincts tell me that your career may well be on the rise. Your tight little star seems to be rising. Implying that Crasis uh, obviously was not. But it, it doesn't really answer the question. Scorpius being Scorpius and scheming his way through life, I guess. I mean, as a half-breed in a Sebastian uh, society, right. he probably didn't have much of a choice other than to be a conniving little bastard. And, uh, <laughs> we see another. Speaking of conniving little bastard. Uh, well, I mean, I was going to say, we see another gorgeous shot of the command carrier. And I noticed that a lot in this episode. They really went overboard on the CGI. There's lots of beautiful shots of the command carrier and of Moya, all yeah. still cast in the blue asteroid field light. Okay, so about half of those are reused shots that they just tinted blue. Yeah. I recognize those because I'm a huge, uh, big old nerd and I pay attention <laughs> to that. Like, But still. Definitely. I mean, it's all gorgeous. It all holds up incredibly well to the point where later on, like there's a shot of some uh, some prowlers flying around the asteroid oh, yes. field. Those were the prowlers from the pilot episode. Yes. That was Talvo Crace's uh, prowler before it knocked into the Farscape one. But, you know, a nice bit of symmetry. Yes. Speaking of symmetry, we have finally, like, a, a really intense conversation between Crichton and Crace. Yes. Talking it to each other through the bars of the cell. I look at you, and I get homesick. I'm desperate for human male-to-male conversation. And, and uh, Crace is the closest he can get. And he comments that, like, yeah, well, I mean, humans seem to be close enough to uh, Spatians, so... He asks whether Crace knows why. Crace says no. One of the many mysteries that I regret I won't have the opportunity to solve. And yeah. that's when Crichton turns on him. And like, we weren't out here solving these these mysteries. Do you have any idea what you put me through? All of us through? 
you personally yes. did all this to us. You made us live under under constant fear. And that what you're feeling right now is what we felt every minute since you decided that we were your quarry. Right, but Chris actually seems to be contrite. Yeah. He is, and he, this is actually where he admits to John that he is like it was that he was wrong about being such a mad military commander yeah. uh, and pursue him for the death of his brother and that it was an accident. I understand you didn't mean to kill my brother. Admitting to the fact that he's been on an insane crusade yeah. and hunting them. And actually, yeah, I'd say he's, ap- he's apologetic about it even. I thought it was about my brother. It should have been about my brother. Somewhere along the way, my priorities decayed. I realized I'd become more concerned with my own image and career. Yeah, which breaks Crichton. Crichton is also in tears here because he's known all along, like, this is is totally pointless. But now he can't even hate Crace for it anymore. Like, he can't even punish him for it because he's, he's admitted to it, like... Okay, yep. so this is the, everything just sucks. Is that how it is? Everything right. just sucks. So yeah, that was a very powerful scene. He he manages to get it together, and he tells Grace like, "If you really do want to help, now's the time." Yes, and Grace comes up to uh, command, listens to their plan, advises them, tells them that you know this is this is not going to work. They're going to detect. Yeah, like it, the the chances of success are so slim, but. There's another opportunity. Yes. Because uh, they're also not far from the... Gamak base. On an oil-covered moon. Yes, I was wondering about that, but whatever. Well, <laughs> I like, mean, where does oil come from? Dinosaurs. We have seen big space dinosaur bones in the past. In Ah, uh, uh, yes, we have. So also in other asteroids. Maybe, maybe that was, was where the, uh, the space oil comes from on this moon. Ah. But, I mean, it, it, it must be a pain. You can't even go outside for a smoke, you know, flick your butt <laughs> off the edge of the cliff, and that, that would be a bit of a problem. Well, it is a secret underground base, so they weren't going to do that anyway. Yeah, fair enough. So I, th- I thought this was a cute scene where you see Chiana standing among the other crews, and it looks like she's like walked right out of that aha video. She she looks almost fake and drawn ah. in in the scene. I don't know if it's the lighting, but her in her black and white makeup, she just looks like she is just like jumped off the pages of someone's sketches, and just, uh, <laughs> yeah. she looks like a negative. on me. Yeah. I wonder if they just forgot makeup and they go like, ah, just fix it in post. You know, and it's just like turn <laughs> no, down the saturation. On no, <laughs> come on. It, it's so interesting, the framing in this shot, though. You have a lot of people here. You have, let me see, uh, Ini, Mini, Mini, Mo. You have, uh, you have everybody and, and Chiana. You have Dargo, Zan, Crace, Crichton. I think even Rigel shows up. Yeah, they haven't taken away his comb badge, which I thought was a bit peculiar, but, you know. Well, in case they need to yell at him. <laughs> but this is like this was the 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 four by three uh, uh, full screen uh, like the pre widescreen era yeah and so like framing these shots is kind of difficult when you have so many people and you don't have a widescreen lens to to, to place them in no I uh, mean there's lots of cuts cuts back and forth between two people in the shot at each time but yeah yeah exactly especially when we're having conversations again an- oh yeah an- another plan forms although we're not quite let in on it what it is yet. Although the implications are that it's not going to be as lethal as the, as the first one was. Yes, but it does have to involve uh, a Crichton because a Crace is certain, like, there is one thing that Scorpius wants much more than, than the safety else. of his base, yep. than the, the, the whatever. Like, even if they threaten his base, he might still not turn away and try and protect it. Right. But if Crichton's on board... 
Yeah, well, that's and also the thing is, the is like, yeah, they'll keep the, uh, the they'll keep them from shooting the shuttles. If like if if Crichton's on there, then the Scorpius is never going to order an attack against that ship, even uh, if it's la- yeah. even if it's laden with explosives. Oh, that's a that's a good sort of end game move from uh, like Which checkers. Is, what's it what's it called? It's like uh, a discovered check. I'm not very good at checkers. Uh, Sorry, I meant I meant chess, oh. which you are very good at. You well, beat me at no. until I looked up stuff and like discovered, like, yeah, practiced so the you, discovered. So I was chat. better at chess until you started learning about chess. Now, <laughs> there's no real big surprise there. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you is the sentiment that Chiana wants to uh, wants to express to uh, to John and yes, taking her on board the crew, I suppose, and uh, being kind. And this is like a horny teenage moment that they're having. Ah, yeah. it's weird. Like it she, is a bit. She takes his it? hands and put them on her hips. Yeah, uh, leans in for a kiss, flicks out the tongue. Right. Straight yes, away. but She's... no. But yes, but no. It is like yeah, two horny teenagers saying goodbye to each other uh, at the beginning of summer vacation or something like that. That's what. <laughs> John is not into it though. Like he's he's bit. accepting and he's considerate, but he's the one who breaks the kiss. He's the one who sets True. the boundaries. Sort of like a. I mean, I'd call it an older brother, but he's he's sort of like a Skywalker older brother. Do you know what I mean? Oh well, I mean, with a little this, bit of kissing. I was going to say there's, there's <laughs> yeah. we had a little bit of uh, hillbilly uh, connection there, but uh, well, I mean it's it's a nice uh, moment. Shanna doesn't want to see him go. She's she's clearly quite fond of him. But that's how it is. Uh, Scorpius is informed by, hey, we don't even need the Treaty of Mintaka 3. We are on the ball here. We, we are doing pretty well. I mean, we jumped uh, a little bit ahead at the beginning of the episode. Don't tell the audience now. I'm sorry. We don't, don't listen to me. No, wait, do listen <laughs> to me, but just not right now. That's the whole point of the book. <laughs> okay. And then something happens that I didn't quite understand. Uh-huh. Crace gets a tour yes. of Boya. Same here. I, I did not get that. I mean, Aaron is holding her big gun, uh, not exactly cas- uh, pointed at him because she allows him to walk right up behind her. And knowing what we uh, know about him being able to do to uh, his commanding officers, oh yeah, uh, you know, just like twist their neck and snap <laughs> him around. It's like it seems like an un- unwise decision. But yes, he is marveling at Aboya, especially how, the, how he has voice commands that, though he, he could interface with the pilot, but they thought that was like much better to have like direct control and command over yeah. them rather than having, having someone else interpret your orders. Crace like reveals that he was involved in this uh, in this hybrid project that yes. many attempts have been made, always resulting in the deaths of both mother and, uh, and child. Yes, until like the the crucial difference; those were all like enslaved, collared Leviathans, and that's something that Aaron comments upon. Yeah. and Boya was born in freedom. Crace almost seems a little bit surprised or taken back by that reveal, but delighted as well. Like yeah. he is, we haven't seen him this like enthused and in command and authoritative in, right in it's a bit of a change back to his old self i mean he is back to being shaven again so in the in the previous few scenes when he was in the cell he had a very scraggly <gasps> yes. unshaven look but for this scene although his hair is still a little bit unfringed yes he's, he's gone back to sha- having shaven again so he's slowly regaining his composure as you can sit oh, tell you very he's good been through a deep valley but now he is uh, picking himself back together again I, i'd say i mean he's speaking to to aaron with great confidence he's he's speaking in general with great confidence he, he he expresses his his astonishment with Kal Tanaga Chivoko. Right there you go. That's one another one of those scenes where we hear someone speaking and the, uh, the translator microbes don't let us in on the secret. Yep. Uh, Aaron does like respond to it as if she understands it, yeah. uh, saying that this is this is not your crowning glory. He's. If this is a Sebastian language that he's speaking, his language sounds nothing like the language that we've heard Aaron speak. No, true. What's your one? Kal Tenaga Chivoko. Nyo Tsua 
not that it's weird for there to be multiple languages for for a species, but no. they seem completely unrelated just they by seem, the sound of them. That's very interesting because yeah, in, in the in the episode which was all in the alien mind game thing, we heard uh, her episode sixteen. Yeah, through, we, uh, we heard her speaking. It was a very nasty yeah, way, yo. Yeah, like she modeled it after like her own speech, English speech reversed, but she yes. like she generated that on the on the spot. So yeah, curious. I mean, maybe he. Maybe he begged. Maybe he really asked to see this 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 but marvelous why, creature. But, but why would she agree? Why would she acquiesce to a request like that? Like it may be. Oh, do you remember in in PK Tech Girl when they yeah. discovered Jelena and Jelena said to on the on the Zelbinian, yeah. uh, and Jelena said to Aaron like as a as a peacekeeper, I consider you a traitor, but as a Sebastian, I believe you are deserving as I to know the truth about a cultural treasure. Fair point. And then uh, maybe she's relating to him like, yes, as 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 soldiers, we're on opposite sides, but as a as a fellow peacekeeper, you you deserve to marvel to at this the, yeah. at this treasure. Magnificent. On Moya, we have another scene with two people saying goodbye to each other. I suppose, or well, it's more uh, Crichton disappointing Rigel, I would say, by giving him all his stuff if he dies. Yeah, because he's Rigel a material is, girl. Yeah, and Rigel is like. I mean, it's no. I get this vibe of Rigel here. It's like, well, it's no fun if I can't steal it. It's like, it's like, what, what are you doing giving this to me? This is inappropriate funeral rites. You're supposed to go out there and take them, not like have them given to you beforehand. That's like not the right way to do it. <laughs> it's also now that he's being given all this stuff, he realizes that's not what he wants. He actually wants like respect, appreciation. I know I can be selfish, but given a chance, I can usually do what. Do the right thing? Yes. He tries to... Like, the thing that he wants from Crichton more than anything is, like, forgiveness or, or respect. I suppose. I mean, I don't know what, what Rigel wants at this point. He's I mean, he's, like, he's telling him that, you know, I, I, I didn't sell you out. You, like, I went out there to sell you out, is, but I didn't. And this is where we get the comment for, like, because they weren't buying what you were selling. That's where yeah. Crichton is the one who says that, not Chana. But Crichton is, is, like, not quite forgiving, but he's... I don't know. He's he's making space in his heart for for Rigel, telling him like being a good person that that doesn't you know that doesn't start when you get caught. That starts when you wake up in the morning. Yes, and I Rigel can... lowers his head in shame, and Crichton kisses him. Yes, it's just like oh, he gets a little kiss between the earbrows. Like just be better, pass it on. Actually, that's something that he said to uh, to to Chiana. Yes, like Chiana tells him, "You you saved my life." And then Crichton tells her, pass it on. Yes. When someone else needs it, return the favor. You pass it on. Chiana, who actually turns out to be quite the cook. She's gone to town on the ship's supplies and she has cooked everybody's favorite food. Yeah. Which looks a bit like one of Heston's feasts with all the towers of all. Make it into a tower. Uh. <laughs> it's glorious. <laughs> oh, I noticed, I just noticed that John's Ayasa water bottle is there as well. Oh, oh yes, so it is, yes. You've got a fantastic spread. I remembered some of the dishes that uh, she talked about, smoked uh, smoked pronga sinew, one of Aaron's favorites that everybody mm. really loved. I, I kind of like that Chiana, who said that she only knew this one way to express her thanks, actually found another one, and she and she just cooked a delicious feast for everyone. Yes. And we see them eating it together while we get a voiceover from uh, from John. Even including Grace, Grace and uh, Rigel. I mean, Rigel, fair enough, but yeah, even Grace is allowed to sit in on the final meal. Yeah. Um, as, as John as, is having little play with one of the DRDs. I'm not quite sure what he was doing with like making the the uh, wiggly fingers at the eyes of the DRD. Yeah, he was doing sort of the crocodile Dundee dog pacifier exactly, gesture yes. <laughs> at uh, uh, at one eye. Hey, that's the little uh, the is one whose eye stalk he fixed. Yeah, it's got the little blue tape around it. Oh 
yes, I didn't notice. I, I, that well, he talks about how much he's learned out here in the universe. He's surrounded by by people who teach me patience, and you get a close up of Chiana, and then a close up of Kreis, and then people who teach me other things. <laughs> and this is John Crichton, somewhere in the universe. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. He didn't say any signing off, which I almost expected him to do. But yeah, uh, yeah. That was a line from the script for the pilot, which was never used, which uh, Ben Browder uh, okay. reinserted here. Nice. Somewhere yeah. in the universe. Yeah, and the last thing we see him do is take his father's lucky ring, the one he got given by Yuri Gagarin. I believe. Yuri Gagarin's cock ring or geese yes. or whatever we said. His <laughs> <laughs> Prince well, Albert. Yes, oof. you've remarked on that before. Zan gives her blessing again, which we hear in her in Delvian and not uh, translated by the translator microbes. Cadare i cincono. Apudax Ahilio, frota il pluro sincono. Dargo is grumpy about it. I hate this stuff. And John says, Chicks love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that John's- was originally uh, Anthony Simcoe who came up with that. Uh, Apparently, like at lunch, David Kemper, the writer, was telling John about this scene and that we're going to be given this uh, this this benediction. And John's like, oh, that's crazy. I don't want to do that. And Anthony Simcoe is just walking past the buffet. Yeah, but chicks love, love it. it. <laughs> John, who has changed into a spacesuit, one of the, uh, I think it might be Aaron's flight suit or something like that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. Inco- discontinuity alert. This was one of the items that he bequeathed to Rigel. I noticed it. Yes, he was it was given the helmet. Yes. Stuff, the helmet and the yeah. spacesuit. Like, mm. <laughs> no, no, you are absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> some some last advice from uh, from Chris, who, who who gives some advice that hey, I later profited from. Yeah. Uh, uh, peacekeeper pilots are trained to uh, to anticipate evasive maneuvers, so yeah, fly so in a direct path. If you want them to not hit you, don't even make evasive maneuvers. Wait, what? That's not how it works. Well, I tell you what, this was this was two thousand that this came out, and this was around the time where where our friends were getting into Unreal Tournament. Yeah. One of our friends was really into it, and uh, and we did a little LAN party, and several rounds in a row, I kicked his ass, and he was a skilled player. I am not skilled at all yeah. by just running straight at him, firing, 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 and he would like anticipate jumps and firing all around me I would just barrel down and kill him running straight at him and every time he thought he's not going to do that again there's no way that he's going to do it again <laughs> and it kept working well it kept I mean, working so fair enough I respect that I mean, I'd like to think that uh, uh, peacekeeper pilots are a little bit better than that but you know who knows uh, I mean the peacekeeper pilot says goodbye to John well he says I wasn't going to say goodbye and she says I wasn't either and then they don't and he just wanders walks off yeah. Along with Dargo to the shuttle, door closes, and we are on... On the- approach to the uh, the Gamak base, yes. where John asks Dargo, hey, why am I not freaking out? And Dargo has another pearl of wisdom. Fear accompanies the possibility of death. Calm shepherds its certainty. So if you're calm, then you're certain that you're going to be dead? Or, well, or if you're worried that you're away, going to die, you're yes. going to be. Af- then, then that's when you're afraid. But right. if you know you're going to die, you can be calm. Scorpius is informed that the uh, that the ship is moving towards the base, but he tells the the command crews are not to pursue, but to hold off and stay here with the asteroid field. Until later on, he is informed that there is a human aboard. Yes, a human and a Luxon have been detected by scanners, and he gets angry. Oh like, yes, he realizes the, he figures the strategy. Out, he figures it out right there. He does not like his pressure points being used. No, he's like he loves using them on other people, but he cannot take it as good as he gives it because he realizes that if this if this craft attacks that oil-covered moon, they'll have to abandon their research here. But he can't risk losing the wormhole knowledge in uh, John's mind. 
So he tells the command carrier to pursue the ship. Aaron is in her prowler, meanwhile, because their backup plan is for John and Dargo to ditch before crashing, because yep. everybody's going to be focused on the uh, on the explosion. Nobody's going to be watching for two life signs ejecting. And then she can swoop in with her, uh, with her prowler, prowler and save and them. pick them up, yes. They've got... Scorpius on the on the end of a string. They're making the end run there, having a last little little chat between John and and and, and Dargo. Kirk and Spock, Evan <laughs> and Costello, first base. Punch the control. Door pops open, and they're sucked out. Oh, fantastic yes. wire work! John is wearing his helmet, and Dargo is, as we know, is space worthy. Took me a second to remember that, but yes, uh, yeah, he, he can survive up to a quarter arm. Yes, uh, out in space, uh, just floating about and uh, actually being quite pleasant about it. He's like he's still blinking. He's like giving the thumbs up. Yep, uh, and we see a magnificent explosion. Wow! With the oil-covered planet being set on fire by the big bada boom. Boom. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, this this image is apparently one that uh, David Kemper had in mind since very early on. That's what he wanted to end on. No idea how it was going to be resolved. But uh, he wants that in. And yeah, the, the, the planet turns into like a, a bright burning moon. So when the production team were, uh, were designing uh, episode 19, Nerve with the Gamak base, David Kemper kept saying, oh, make an oil-covered moon. What? Why? No, no, just, it, it'll just be fine. It. Just, <laughs> just... <laughs> we'll, we'll find a use for it. Just make sure that it's oil-covered. Ignition! Look at that mother burn! And we go to commercial, and, okay, this is where you're probably feeling like a little bit of uncertainty, because there's a whole, like, there's another six or seven minutes to go. That's yes. not enough time to resolve everything, or... Well, there's, there's a little bit of, like... That kind of tension, right? Aaron going, like, oh, uh, I can't pick them up because there's, like, other prowlers flying about, which is the shot that's being reused. And For the uh, premiere episode. Yep, where they're just flying about, and she can't, like, swoop in and just pick them up, because that would be suspicious, so she just has to move around. And... Crace has somehow, mysteriously, yeah. managed to find his way onto Boya. It's like, how? Did he take a shuttle? Did he, Well, like- everyone was distracted. Yeah, apparently, like, he's, he, he hasn't been put back in his, uh, in his cell, so- and he has seized control of Moya's offspring. Yeah, and is apparently quite capable of commanding it. Ship! Depot into the asteroid field where the debris is densest. Crace, what the Yahtzee are doing? Saving myself, your eminence. I'm sure to your envy. Everyone is outraged. Pilots, yeah. Chiana, Zan, but no, none more so than than Aaron, who, I mean, she's powerless here where where, where she's out here. She, she's, she knows that John and Darko are relying on her to save them, but she's just furiously, emotionally yelling. You listen to me now. You stop what you're doing and you leave the ship now. Yeah, she is like, Terrified by the thought of him kidnapping the, the little Leviathan. And Crace is unmoved. He's, he's quite cool. He, he says that, I hope that if we, if we meet again, that our relationship will be quite different. Right. He's like very almost dismissive of her concerns uh, or her anger. And it's like, oh, I'm just doing what I need to do. and We'll I'm, be fine. Uh, well, no, <laughs> he doesn't know her very well if she thinks that. But also, she still has to name the child. Yes. Moya does not want her child to be named by uh, by peacekeepers. No. And she calls him the name of her father. Talon, I believe. Talon. Which, is, is, as far as I know, is a city in Estonia, but... <laughs> it's, okay, it's a lovely city in Estonia. It is. A really cool action sequence in uh, Christopher Nolan's film Tenet is set there. Do we know anything else with Talon? I mean, Talon's obviously, like, it sounds like a claw. It's a really cool name for... Uh, it is. Like it's, a, lo- it's a lovely city, too. Uh, it's <laughs> okay, a <which> one... <laughs> 
<laughs> but yes, Chris starts to fly off with Moya's offspring, Talon now. Finally, we're rid of Boya. Oh, no, I think I'll keep Boya sticking oh, around as a little pet name for him. They don't want to leave without first saving John and Dargo, even though the plan has, has fallen apart. John asks Pilot to patch him through to Moya. So he can tell her directly, like, we know you're afraid for your your your, your kid. It seems like it's the thing that Aaron would be doing, not John. But yeah, John uh, takes care of that. Tries, he tries... has spoken to Moya before. True. When he first discovered Moya's pregnancy. Yes. And encourages Moya. Because Aaron has bonded with Pilot. I think John has bonded more with Moya. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I've got a very good point there. Yeah. And tells her that we've done all this so that you could be safe. So go. Go, be safe. You can actually convince her to starburst away and not uh, follow. Uh, the, the only way they can save uh, him and Dargo and Eren is by leaving because the command carrier is now moving full steam ahead towards Moya. Yeah. While Krace is going back into the asteroid field to hide with um, with Boya, uh, back into the safety of the asteroid field to, <laughs> yeah, with to the ride Estonian it out. Capital, that's yes. right. <laughs> with the distraction in place, Moya is actually able to, to leave. Pilot says once again, Prepare for starburst, people. Uh, and for if once, Rigel doesn't complain about it. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and we are left at the end of the episode with Dargo passing out. Yep. Erin uh, 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 in her prowler flying about other prowlers trying to pick up John and Dargo. John watching Moya starburst to safety and the moon burning behind them. Yeah, and Jury Gagarin's cockring flying off into space as Dargo passes out and lets go of it. Whoa. The good luck talisman, which... He actually questions it whether or not it worked or not. It's like, oh yes, and then John said, uh, "I'm still alive." <laughs> and Dargo kissed it. He did, yes. Kind of intimate. It is somewhere. Yeah. Yuri Gagarin <laughs> smiling a crooked smile. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. What a f***ing episode, and what a f***ing cliffhanger. Frelling, yeah. Frelling, I should say. But yeah, that was that was very much my experience when I watched it the the, the first time as well. Uh, do we have any? Oh, do we have any notes that we still need to? Ooh. Oh, I have one. Yes. Um, uh, and that was uh, early on when uh, when John and and Dargo were t- when John was talking about I'm not going to be taken alive and Dargo was uh, uh, we have no concept of we we don't have that word in our, our language. There, there came a point where Aaron said, "Oh, to bask in the in the warm glow of all this testosterone." Yes. <laughs> uh, which Claudio Black hated that line and with good reason. It was it's such a '90s line. Also. They're sebations, and they do you have they're, testosterone? Do I mean, you again, have hormones? again, uh, the translator microbes are translating whatever well, that's it is she's fair. using. Besides, she, I mean, she's probably got like tougher mivonks than the both of them put together. Yes, uh, I, okay. I had one uh, earlier when we were uh, when I was chiding uh, Zahn about uh, not having her chemistry in a, in a, in a f- <laughs> fume hood. Uh, John makes his comment about like, oh, relying on the chief anarchist's uh, power. And you, you, you saw that was a remark that actually cuts on a little bit. It was like, she, she she got this expression that like, she did not like that. That that remark stung. A little bit, yeah. Uh, got the tools of the chief anarchist. Oh, the chief anarchist cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yes, that was, oh man, what an episode. I mean, I feel like we've missed so much. I know that there was a conversation between Aaron and, uh, and, and Zan um, where she, uh, where where Aaron sort of was frustrated that everyone was so cool about about sacrificing their lives and like Zan, how do you do it as a priest? And Zan says, "The instant I committed murder, I sacrificed my right to exist. Since then, I view every microt as a generous yet undeserved gift from the goddess." 
Ooh, that's a bit uh, yes. harsh. Well, maybe they have strict tenants about that sort of thing. Oh, there was a moment when uh, when Aaron and Pilot are, are having their conversation together um, where Pilot calls her Officer Sun and then takes a breath. Aaron. Yes. He's never called her by her first name before. Oh. Any of them. No, like, I guess he's very formal usually, and that's why he calls Domino Rigel and... Yeah, Your Eminence and yeah. Crichton. Like, he doesn't say those mockingly. No. <laughs> oh, and never before the big game when uh, oh, Crichton turns down yes. uh, Chiana. <laughs> <laughs> she gives me a Woody. She gives you the willies. Willie and Woody. Oh, wow. There is a lot to choose from. Uh, like, I don't want to give my Woody to the CGI shot of the moon, as cool as that was. Like, that's, no. that's totally epic. That just misses out on so much. Because this is, as you mentioned, like, it's an emotional episode. It's really intense on the personal relationships. Actually, oh, a controversial choice. My Woody's going to go to Crace. No. Oh? Yeah, I, I know that he's not a hero in, in any way, but I did get a thrill from his reclamation of his confidence and his pride. Right, his fall and, uh, rede- not redemption, but his rise, I suppose we should call it. Yeah. He was pulling it back together, and right at the end, he was like, not, yeah, he figured out, he wanted to survive. He wanted he's to a survivor, do what's his yeah. best. He saw the awesomeness that is Boya, and he just thought that I'm going to make off with it. But I'm not sure what his plan was for, like, like, waiting for it to grow until he can starburst on his own, and then... Hopefully in season two we'll uh, we'll oh, find out more about that. Yes. Uh, how about you? You got your Woody ready, or you want oh, to go for you? My Willie, but maybe might might be the plot hole that like the, the fact that they actually address it later on in the episode. Like, oh, we're just gonna have little boy uh, Starburst along with us, and if they'd done that right at the beginning of the episode, the entire problem would have been. Averted. Okay, yeah, there, you know, there are some. I won't. I won't necessarily call them plot holes. My Willie would probably go to the really bad decisions of not putting Crace and Rigel in a cell, not putting them back right, in the cell exactly. all the time. You yes, have these cells. That. Like, why do you let them walk around? What possible benefit could you get from it? Yes, there's nothing. We we have no reason to trust them. We have nothing benefits from having them around, and they are only a threat. Right. They, they've both proven that they're like yeah, not to be trusted. Oh wait, I think my Willie will actually go to Crace's terrible sense of interior decorating. Now that he doesn't have severed Hynerian heads, heads. and a, and a bath, I wonder what he's going to do with Boya's Ooh, wonderful interior. Let's not like, dwell on that too needs long. More heads. Yes. Oh, <laughs> should have brought the Hynerian. That would have made a good start. Oh, oh. For my Woody, I don't think it'll go to any specific event. Oh, but more towards the entire choice. Yes, more, more, more towards the way that everybody interacts with each other, everybody reacts. It's very much right. clear yeah, that everything yeah, yeah. has become a family, and it's called Family Ties, family ties. and we didn't even see Michael J. Fox in it. How does the theme tune go? <laughs> oh, I can't remember. Let's not try singing that again. Uh. Okay, no. Okay, so the one that I thought of was... <laughs> Which is Doogie Howser MD, and that's not Family Ties at all. So, what's your guess going to be? And then I'll see what sitcom it actually is. Oh, No, that's Cheers. No, never mind. Okay, we both saw that. But yeah, so my Woody goes towards the interaction between the crew, how everybody has become a caring family, how everybody. Everybody loves each other yeah. at this point. I hate you! Well, maybe not Rigel, but, you know. Even that. Like, they find areas where they really connect and depend on each other. Dargo and Aaron. Aaron says to him, you've become someone on whom I depend. Yeah. Not whom I can depend, but whom she does depend. depend. And yeah. he feels the same way about and her. Like- Dargo and John have really driven home the fact that like, they're probably more than allies. They swore to be allies, and that's what started warming Dargo up to uh, John. Yeah, and I think they've, they're, they've grown beyond that point. 
Yeah. When Dargo gives him that uh, that philosophical advice that uh, calm shepherds the certainty of death, yes. Crichton responds, I love hanging with you, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. This episode was fantastic. But we're going to have to take a little breath here. Next time, we're not going to launch straight into season two. Uh, we're going to take another greatest hiatus, but this time instead of... Covering something else? Let's take a look back at what we've seen. Let's take a, okay. a little bit of reflection we'll on, uh, on season one. What happened in season one and yep. how has, have we developed it? We can just take our time and just really reflect on what we felt about it. And then I will also pursue you relentlessly with a trivia quiz, which okay. you will be judged on very harshly. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I have to quickly binge everything again just so that I'm caught up again on everything. You better hurry because oh, I'm coming after you. Dang. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's the story so far, Scape. We'll see you next week with a season finale. Well, no, not season finale episode. We'll see you next week with an episode in which we uh, reflect back on the previous a season. Season one recap. Season one. That's a good one. Season one recap. You can find us at SoFarscape on Twitter and far and Farsbook <laughs> and on SoFarscape.com. I'm Kay. SoFarscape, so, so good. good. Signing off somewhere in the universe. Yes. Hey, you bastards. John Clayton was here.